scripture memory verse tonight, John 12, 48, Jesus speaking, says, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. John 12, 48. Anybody else? John 12, 48. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment. By the truth I have spoken. John 12, 48. Thank you. What version is that? Do you know? Sounds like the Holman Bible. What's it say on it? What's it? NLT. NLT. Okay, it's a New Living Translation. Okay. Anybody else? John 12, 48 pretty interesting text and of course Jesus speaking uh, some amazing content in chapter 12 little Gethsemane is in chapter 12 nobody else anybody want to read it So this is why I'm always encouraging you to learn the word of God. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So we can look at the word of God and find that which is going to judge us. Now, generally speaking, I would say the whole word of God reveals this to us. But God sent his word to heal the land. He sent Jesus. In uh, John 1, 1, we're told that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that the word come to earth and took flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's 1.14. Jesus came and pitched his tent, and he was the example of the heart of God. He was God with us, Emmanuel. And he gave us everything that we need for life and godliness. He, he, when he spoke, he told us how we should be saved. And I'm going to go back and really look at that. And uh, obviously the whole word of God reveals the will of God. But Jesus tells us, I'm going to just go back just a little way. Listen, we could go way back. We could go all the way back to the garden. We could back up to find context in this. Um, I mean, John 3.16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And then he goes on to say, For God did not, um, excuse me, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. That's the word judge. But that the world through him might be saved. Remember in 524 we're told that we're born spiritually dead. And when you trust in Jesus, God's provision, when you believe him, you pass from death to life. And he takes your sin and he seals you with the Holy Spirit. But I want to just look at, now if you want you can read all of chapter 12 later but I just want to go back to verse 37 and kind of set up something I want to develop with you to understand that all the answers we need for life are in the word of God 
Jesus is the truth of God. The Word is the truth of God. And when God speaks, he, he has created the heavens and the earth. God spoke and created the heavens and the earth. Now the devil and death culture wants to get rid of what God has spoken. The devil and death culture does not want you to know what God said. And the attack has always been on the Word of God. That's why it's so hard to get into the Word and to read the Word. And everything just kind of just draws you in. But the Word doesn't. You have to ask God for a desire to be in His Word, to study His Word. And you have to see that when you're in His Word, you're drawing near to Him. And, and you're developing this love relationship with Him. See, people can also get into the Word of God. I was studying this this week and, and, and God uh, kind of spoke to me uh, through my own conscience. And, you know, you can, you can read the whole Word of God and learn it and get knowledge, all the answers to the questions, but knowledge puffs up. And if you want to have wisdom for life and you want to have faith in God, you have to go through life trusting God. Not just know the answer is Jesus, but know the Word of God and what He's doing and learn the will of God. And then as you go through the trials of life, through the testing of life, through the pain and suffering in life, and you have fellowship with his sufferings, then you build a love relationship with him. And you learn to have wisdom for the moment. And you learn to trust him through the next trial. And he gives you just a, enough faith, and you trust him, and then you go to another trial, and he brings you to the other side of it. And all the time, your, your faith is growing, and you're growing in that trust in him and building a love relationship. That's just like with your marriages or with your, you know, uh, your children. You, know, you, you don't always just love them. You grow to love. I used to think I loved my wife until I spent... Um, the first two years with her. No, I'm teasing. Because uh, our marriage was bad. The first year was bad and the second year was worse. But God was faithful as we obeyed God. Not by emotions and followed our feelings and, and, and wanted to get out of it. But we knew that, that, that we, we couldn't be together unless we were married. And then once we were married, we were like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. But then as we trusted God he, and we looked up to him, he changed both of us. That's how faith grows in a relationship. And so then we began to fall in love more and more and more every day with each other. But, but it took us being in a relationship with God first, putting him first and always putting him first. And then he gives you wisdom as he takes you through it. So listen to me. I want to back up. I want to develop this with you. I want you and we're going to just start like in verse 37 and try to understand what's going on here. Because I want you to see what's going on in our culture today. And I want you to see that the Word of God actually tells us what's going on in our culture today. In this death culture. And why you, you go out in the streets and you go, well that doesn't work. A mask doesn't work. And then people freak out and start screaming and yelling and crying. Because they don't understand truth. Okay, I want you to hold on to that thought. Now watch this, and we'll develop this together and go to a few places. We're going to play a little bit of sword drills. 37, Jesus still speaking, or is it the commentary? It's commentary from the Holy Spirit. But although he had done, talking of Jesus, so many miracles, your King, New King James, your Bible might say signs uh, before them. He did all these signs before them. They did not believe in him 
and that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now that's quoting Isaiah 53, 1, which all of 53 is a chapter about Jesus being crucified. We'll go there in a minute, but listen. What, what, he did all these miracles in front of them. He's raised the dead. He's, he's walked on water. He turned water into wine at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. All these things that he's done, miraculous catches of fishes. He feeds 5,000. He feeds 4,000. These people are following him around. They're watching all these signs. And guess what? They still didn't believe in him. Because signs and wonders does not produce saving faith. Now, we're going to talk about this and rehearse this a little bit on Sunday, too, because we need to understand this, because right now the church is being set up and the world's being set up for lying signs and wonders that are going to come in the final days. We're being set up for that because the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to do some lying signs and wonders and deceive the elect if it were possible. So we're being set up for that. And we have to understand as the church that true faith signs follow Miracles follow when you're truly following Jesus, but you don't look for a sign or a miracle um, to get saved. It just doesn't work. It never produces genuine faith. It doesn't work. In fact, Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and none will be given to them except for the son of... Uh, uh, so as Jonah was in the belly of the earth three days, so will the son of man be in the belly of the uh, earth for three days. In the belly of a whale for three days. I said that wrong, didn't I? As Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth for three days. So that's the sign. If you want a sign, you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You believe in God's provision of His Messiah that He sent to take away the sin nature. So although He did all these signs, they did not trust Him. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Why? Because of false teaching. Because of listening to the other teachers who were telling them and the ruling authorities. And they yelled, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Give us the son of the lying father. That's what Barabbas means, his son of the father. And he was a re rebellious murderer from the beginning. So, uh, and what was it about? They didn't believe. Why? So that the word Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled. And I really like the word fulfilled. It's one of those words that means to, to, to execute or satisfy, to finish what God was doing. So this was on purpose. And Israel, see, was blinded on purpose in some ways just for you and I, just for Gentiles, just for all nations. Part of their blindness, Romans 11 tells us, that part of their blindness has come to them in, uh, for the Gentiles. So they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That's to his own nation. and But to as many as received him, he gave the right to believe. Uh, he gave them the right to become sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. Uh, I'm distracted for some reason. I apologize for that. Lord, we just pray you pour out your spirit. And help us to understand this text and see what you're doing in the church. In Jesus' name, amen. So they're not believing. And it's to fulfill scripture. Which was already spoken in that day. So let's look back at Isaiah 53. 
verse 1. Now you, I, I would give you homework. Read that, all of 53 later, and, and just look at everything that it's about of Jesus. And so in this time, they were not believing what God was saying. But what we're going to see here is the apostasy of the nation of Israel against their God. And apostasy means the falling away from believing Him. That they developed their own religious practices and they left God out. And it's going to be a type for us of what's going on in the church today. Where we've developed our own uh, form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. We raise up teachers to tickle our ears and tell us good things instead of telling us exactly what the scriptures say. And so I want you to see this, because we're going to see the, the, the reason they became apostate, because they walked away from the truth of God's word, because it was told them what was going to happen, and then as they hardened their heart against God, God brought it upon them on purpose. Now watch this, because some people have a hard time with this. Um, 53.1 of Isaiah says, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, it's talking about then, but it's also prophesying about future. Because then it goes on to talk about Jesus being raised up, and then what happened with him. And I'm not going to rehearse that. What I want you to see is that it was fulfilling, fulfilling the prophecy about them not believing the report of who the Messiah would be. And, and of course the word believe is the word pistio. It means to put your, entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ, into God's provision for the sin nature. And who has believed our report, our preaching? Who has heard what we have told them uh, about you being the Messiah, it would say. And then we go, when we go back and it says, in whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? An arm is always speaking of strength. It's speaking of his strength, his arm, his mighty right hand of God. And then to reveal, who has the arm been revealed? Everybody, it was revealed to everybody. Listen, everybody that's ever born is going to have the chance, Old Testament saints, to look forward to God's provision. New Testament saints to look back. But these people actually were right there with the Messiah. In fact, many of them yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then a week later, they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. Give us a murderer. He's not doing what we want him to do. And see, everything about our life is to align up with what he's doing, not act like he's a genie to give us what we want. See, how we got in this place in the first place was, was Adam and Eve just getting what they wanted and being deceived and sinning. And so we inherit their sin. We inherit their nature, and Christ came to give us what we need to save us from death and bring us to life. And and who, uh, excuse me, and, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, that's the word apocalypta. Uh, it's not apocalypse like the word revelation, but it means almost the same thing. It means to take the cover off. It means to reveal it or to give you the ability to see that he was the Messiah. Now think about that for a moment because a lot of people will go, oh, I don't believe it. 
See, God gives everybody the, the ability to believe that they're sinners and that Christ is the Messiah. And they either choose to believe it or they choose to reject it. They either choose to believe it or they choose to re reject it. All of us are given a mustard seed of faith, and we choose what we do with it. Nobody, nobody's ever going to be able to come up into God's throne and go, well, nobody told me. Everybody will have had that opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. So he says, who has believed our report? And who has the strength or the arm of the Lord been revealed to? Who has the Messiah been revealed to? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again. Now listen, they wouldn't believe. They heard the report. They wouldn't trust. They wouldn't believe. And you can say, well, if I've seen the signs. No, signs do not produce saving faith. Signs point at something. They give you an indication of something. I mean, if you see a sign, like if I paint the wall behind me, and I don't put a sign on it, to you it's still just a wall. But then if I put a sign on it that says wet paint, now you know something more is indicated about that wall that you didn't know. So when Jesus is doing all these miracles and all these signs and all these wonders, they should be saying, who is this guy? What is going on here? Because he's doing things that the Bible actually told them in the scriptures he would do. He would heal the blind. He would, uh, the, the lame would walk. The dead would rise. I mean, everything that he was doing, he was actually doing according to scriptures. But because it wasn't when they wanted it and how they wanted it, and the way they were taught, it didn't fit them, they wouldn't believe, and they hardened their hearts. But why did they harden their hearts? Listen, why did they harden their hearts? Watch. And people have a hard time with this, but God is sovereign. Look, they, Since they wouldn't believe, now they can't believe. Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah says again, He, God, has blinded their eyes and harden their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. Now watch this. This is Isaiah 6. Let's go turn there and look at it. I want you to see it. I think I marked it. Isaiah 6. Did I not mark it? I usually mark it so I can get there a little quicker than you. Guess I did not mark it for some reason. Oh, I'm in the wrong book. Isaiah 6. And it's really, um, this Isaiah, he was a sinner just like you and I, but he was he's being commissioned here where um, he knows he's a man of unclean lips. And then uh, uh, an angel takes a coal from the, uh, uh, altar of God and touches it to his lips and purges his sin, takes away his iniquity, cleanses him, which is what God does to us. He gives us a brand new start. And then, and then he says in verse 8, let's do 6, 8, and I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us, which is a plural world, Elohim. And then what does... Um, Isaiah say, then I said, he volunteers to become a bondservant. Here I am, send me. Listen to me. 
when we know that we've, re we've received salvation, the Spirit of God comes in, and then we voluntarily want to do the work of God. Listen to me, this is a very important thing. That the Spirit of God that comes in is there on purpose. The Spirit seals us. The Spirit knows the heart of God. The Spirit is God. And the Spirit has the same desire that we see that God has for all men to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if the Spirit of God is in our life and, can, and we're being led by the Spirit and we actually have salvation, we will desire to go and do the work of God. We will ask what it is. We will question what it is. Because when we realize that our sins are forgiven freely, that kind of love is amazing. We will say, what kind of love is this that we can be freely forgiven because we know we're sinners? And see, in fact, the more you see who you are, the more God reveals your heart, even in salvation, even while you're a Christian, the more you appreciate the grace of God, the more you realize that apart from God, there's absolutely nothing you can do because we're just plain sinners that are, are against God and we'll take care of our own flesh. So here's Isaiah. He says, here I am, send me. And he said, go and tell this people. This is the commission of Isaiah to tell the people. Well, what's he telling them? Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart. This is the quote that we have from the New Testament, right? This is, this is Jesus talking about it in the New Testament. He's revealing what happened to the nation of Israel. He's revealing that he gave them chance after chance after chance and time after time to hear the report, to hear about Jesus, to hear about the Messiah, to hear about what God was doing. But they wouldn't even try to understand. They wouldn't even try to perceive. And he, so then he says, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed or converted, made whole. And... Let's just go back to our text in John. This is what they're quoting from because God is here to help us. God has sent his word to heal the land. God gives us truth. He reveals everything to us. He did the same thing to his nation of Israel. And after they would continue to reject him and continue to reject him, he blinded their eyes so that now they can't turn. And, and, and this is what I want you to see is that because we look at it and go, well, why did they crucify him? Why did they kill him? You can see he was innocent, but this was why God gives us truth. He's giving you truth now. He gives us truth all the time. And if we don't act upon it, he's going to stop giving it to us. There's going to come a time when he just stops, and then you can't receive it. You can't turn. And I want to show you that that's what's going on in our world today. Some people are saying there's going to be revival, you know, and, and, and I'm telling you, no matter what goes on, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be surrendering to God in the word, prayer, and fellowship, and doing the work of the ministry, and the only ministry we have is the ministry of reconciliation. We are reconciling souls to God. We are ambassadors for Christ, as if Christ were pleading through us, be reconciled to God. 
Well, how do we reconcile them? We tell them the same report. We, we preach the gospel to them. We tell them how they are saved through the blood of Jesus. He paid for your sin, and he gives you his righteousness. And we keep repeating that just like the Old Testament saints did. And they said a Messiah will be coming. We tell them that a Messiah has came. And then it's up to them to decide what they're going to believe. But there comes a time, and, and the nation of Israel had this in their scriptures, but they didn't understand it. There comes a time where he says, now you can't believe. But look at verse 39, 1239 of John. Therefore they could not believe. Because Isaiah said again, he, God, has blinded their eyes. Do you see this? Blinded means to make blind and harden their hearts, which means it's a kind of stone, poros is what it is. It's to petrify, to indurate, which means to make stupid or callous, so hard that they can't believe anymore. They're not able to. This was from God. God did this. These things Isaiah said, verse 41. No, no, wait, let me let me see. Let me let me just tell you that when God says, see with your eyes, he's not talking about just see it, but he wants you to understand it with a heart to obey it. When you hear with your ears, he's wanting you to hear it and grow your faith and obey it. It's not just because this is all about a spiritual life, not a physical life. It's not talking about your physical eyes, even though it'll go through your eyes. It's talking about your eyes of understanding and your ears of understanding. And God wants to make you whole. That's what salvation is about, making you whole. The word that, that they would turn, which means turn about. It, it's converted in the King James, that you would be converted that you wouldn't just turn from sin, you wouldn't just stop going to the bar, you wouldn't just stop cussing, but you would turn to God. See, because if you just stop doing what you were doing and go, now I'm a good person, and you don't turn to God, you don't fill up your spiritual house with God's truth, you'll just believe another lie. You'll just practice something else. You'll just do something that the world is making legal. And that's what they're doing. I don't know if you see it. It's called lawlessness. It's called transgression against the law. No law. They just keep making stuff legal. That's why they're making drugs legal. That's why they give you uh, pills that, that will make you feel like you're okay. Because they're trying to get you to follow them and live in sorcery. The same word in the Bible for pharmacy is the word for sorcery. And so when we actually take the pills and, and, and take what they're giving us when we really don't need it because Jesus is enough. Now, there are certain medications that you might need, uh, but you need to be very careful with that. You need to pray about that. You need to talk to God about that. And, you know, the doctors get real frustrated with me because they come and say they're going to do something. We say, wait a minute, we're going to pray about that. You're not just going to do something to us. We want to pray and ask God about that because he created us. He can sustain us. He can heal us. But you need to be careful with mind-altering drugs and with pain pills and things of that nature. Because, see, the lying father, the devil, 
wants you to be under his power and under his authority, and he wants you to constantly come to him for help instead of going to God and building your faith, instead of going to God and learning to trust him, then going to God and, and, and trusting and believing him for salvation and godliness. And when you reject him, when you reject his words, when you reject his salvation and his provision, it's not going to be good for you because you'll reap what you sow. I'm not telling you you'll lose your salvation, but we want to, we come out of darkness to walk in the light, to believe what his word tells us. We don't just say a prayer and think, oh, I'm saved now, I can do whatever I want. We've been set free to follow him and to be witnesses for him and to enter into the ministry of reconciliation with him. And he wants you to understand that with your heart, your mind, will, and emotions, the middle of you, and turn back to him because you were dead, but now you come back to him and you're made alive. And then he will heal you and positionally you're finished, seated in heavenly places. But practically, he's making you whole as he heals your mind, as he heals your emotions, as he heals your body and everything about you. But these are earthly tents. They're made to wear out. He's going to give you a new one soon when this one wears out. He's going to give you a new body in heaven, a new mansion, a new dwelling place. Verse 41. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Now, I didn't read that. That's in chapter 6 there. It is commissioning. He sees the Lord. He sees because he's seen the glory of God and he's seen how beautiful God was and how holy God was. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm undone. And that's another reason why we want to spend time in the scriptures all the time is so that we can understand and see who he is and compare ourselves to him and be converted, be conformed to his image for his glory. And so when you're in the word of God, you're looking into the perfect law of liberty and it's teaching you. It's helping you to understand and to grow. So it says these things he said when he saw the glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, verse 42, even among the rulers, many believed. Isn't that good that the rulers believed? Isn't that good that the rulers believed? Look at this. Wait a minute, though. They believed in him, in Jesus, but because, there's a contrast here, because of the Pharisees, the other ruling authorities, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. Now, that's a powerful scripture there. That's very powerful. See, believing in God is how we're saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe in him, to entrust your spiritual well-being to him and be saved. Right? But the evidence that you're saved is when you confess him. When you profess him is another way that that is actually defined. But you confess him or profess him, you agree with him. In fact, um... Believing is all you need to do to be saved. But if you have evidence, 
that you're saved, if you want to see it, it's because you're living out loud. You're agreeing with him. You're, you're, you're professing him in everything that you do. And that gives you the evidence. Let me give you the definition of this because I love this. Because this word is used everywhere in the Bible. Of course, believed is to entrust your spiritual well-being. It's pistio. It's what we do to get saved. Confess, though, is to covenant with God. It's to confess God, pro pro profess God. Um, and it's from a word that means at the same time in the same place that you both agree to the same set of facts. Well, what's that mean? Remember Romans 10, 9, and 10? That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we continue to see that these two work hand in hand. True saving faith will have confession and profession. In fact, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I. Yeah, let's just go there. Matthew seven. I don't know if you remember this text, and it's a. It's one of those scary texts, because Matthew seven tells us this. Uh, seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. In other words, you have a desire to do the will of God, and you begin to obey. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? And then I will profess, I will confess to them. Listen, this is the same word. Then he will declare to them, Jesus will, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He is going to confess that to them and profess it to them in that day. This is used in a ton of places. Uh, it's the word declare here or the word profess here. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And confess there means to agree again. You can't just believe that Jesus saved you. You have to agree with him when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, and now he's continuing to sanctify you and wash you and cleanse you. So the word can mean profess. It can mean confess. Um, it's covenant, coveting him, having a covenant with him. Assenting to with the knowledge that he gives us, acknowledging what he's saying, and then let's look at Luke 12, 8 and 9. I think my wife, was you looking at this scripture with the kids this week? Luke 12, 8 and 9. And then I'm just going to jump around a bit. Bible sword drills. Luke 12, 8 and 9. I like this. Jesus speaking. And I say to you, whoever confesses, professes me before men, him the Son of Man also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men, 
will be denied before the angels of God. Now, why is that important? Because the angels are ministering angels that are there to help those who are being saved. The angels are there to help us, to minister to us. And then if you look at what most people would think is a counterpart, it's Matthew 10, 32 and 33. It actually goes even deeper in Matthew 10, 32. We learned to move through it. If you can't get through quick enough, I apologize. But this is how we learn our Bibles is moving around. I like having the tabs. It helps me a lot. Sometimes I mark them before I go to them. But look here. Uh-oh. Where am I at? I'm in chapter 9. I want to be in chapter 10, 32. You guys there? Again, Jesus. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men. And that means living out loud. It means agreeing. It means professing and telling people about him. Uh, at least by our lifestyle, but really by the word of God, because it's those words that actually speak, and then they reach them into their conscience, and it gives them a chance to decide if they're going to follow truth or reject truth. And so the attack, again, is always on the word of God. They don't want us telling people truth. So you can talk good stories, you can send them books, but when you tell them the truth of scriptures, it's living and powerful. And it punctures their conscience, and they have to make a decision whether they're going to choose Jesus or not. And he says here, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, that's the word profess too, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. First to the angels, now he's talking about doing it to the Father in heaven. But whoever denies or rejects me, refuses me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. One more. Go to Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 5. Revelation 3, 5. I just want you to see where this is at. This is not a light word. We believe and confess. And, and the reason they work hand in hand is because if you believe the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you, so if, you're, if your profession of faith and belief in God is real, then the Holy Spirit is there to empower you to go out and confess and profess and be changed into the image of God. But you can quench him, you can ignore him, you can lie to him, you can reject him and not allow him to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. And the problem is, the Bible says in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And if we're being delivered to a new family, which we are through the blood of Jesus, that's salvation. He delivers us into a new family. He delivers us from the sin nature and back to the Father. Then we need to let the Holy Spirit lead our life and he's going to take us through this truth. But what's the, what's the Antichrist spirit going to do? Introduce all the lies that are in the world. Introduce all of these other roads that you can turn. And all these other ways you can live that have nothing to do with the truth of the word of God. So the attack will always be just like in the garden. Did God really say? Did he really speak and his words say? And the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die? Yes, he said that. 
He said that. And then they disobeyed him and they ate and they died. And he knew that was going to happen. And since he knew that was going to happen, he already knew that he was going to come in the flesh and die for us. And that if we believe in him, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we can be saved and brought back into right relationship by choice, by choosing love. It's 3-5. Look at this. He who overcomes, he who overcomes, which means uh, um, to get the victory, it means to have success. The only way to have that is to choose Jesus and to let the Holy Spirit lead you. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. It's the clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And I will not, Jesus speaking, blot out his name from the book of life. See, we're all born, and it's God's will that everybody would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So everybody's name's in the book of life. Why? Because God wanted us all to be in heaven with him. But when we do not believe and we do not overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we do not love our life to the death, then he just scratches our name out. And it breaks his heart. But he has to rule in justice. He has to rule in justice. If he gives us freely a gift of salvation to be in his heaven, in his kingdom, and to be forgiven, and we say, nope, he's not going to make us come to heaven. He's not going to make us spend eternity with him if we don't choose to freely do that down here. The great part is, is that, listen to me, listen. There's nothing in us that wants God, but he gives us the faith to choose God and then his spirit to transform us into his image so that we'll want to be like him. We have nothing in us. And if the very moment that you think you have something in you, you know why he chose you. That's when you're in big trouble at the heart of your Christian walk. All of your Christian walk, you have to realize that the only reason we can come to God and be like God and be in the family of God is the grace of God. And all you can do is turn your heart toward home and let him do the work. But the work is done according to his word. You can't reject what he does. So he says, you need to get into my word and read my word and confess your sin and spend time with me and let my spirit lead you and wash you and cleanse you and transform you into my image. So again, I will not blot your name out of the book of life, but Revelation 3, 5, I will confess his name before my father and before the holy angels. See, they're both put together here. We went to a scripture where he's doing it before the angels, and we went to a scripture where the Father, and now you see that he will not blot out your name, but he will present you faultless before his Father in heaven if we will surrender to his blood and overcome, receive the victory that he's already won for us. That's what we're doing. But notice here in our text back in John 12, that all I wanted to go through. Confess is a very powerful word. It can mean declare. It can mean profess. Notice here, these rulers, members of the Sanhedrin, they believed they had what we call maybe demon faith. 
demons believe and they tremble. They know everything about. They knew who Jesus was when he walked the earth. What have you to do with us, Son of God? We know who you are, the Holy One. Have you come to punish us early? Demons would cry out. He had to silence them so they wouldn't testify of things. Demons believe and they tremble. But notice this. The rulers, many of them believed. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess him. They would not live openly. Because what? Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. The whole book of Hebrews is written about this. The whole book of Hebrews is written about people who believed, but they wouldn't confess and live out loud because they were going to be excommunicated and kicked out of the synagogue. So Paul writes, the, in my opinion, Paul writes the whole book to tell them that there's no other Messiah coming. And if you reject this Messiah, all because of just the praise of men and the synagogue and the, and the fit in, then you're going to be cast into hell, into outer darkness. Listen, this gets really good here. Notice what it was. They wouldn't confess him because they was afraid to get put out of the synagogue. Why? Look at this. Look at their hearts. For they loved. See, we're supposed to love God first. All of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourself. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now listen to what this means. The word praise means to be of reputation. To think or be accounted. See, we want to be important down here. And God says, humble yourself in my sight, and I will lift you up. But many times, we want to write a book. We want to be out in front. We want to do these things, and we want men to notice that we're doing these things. And so if they begin to say, well, don't say that, and don't do this, and don't do that, then we'll do that so we can be important down here, and we can have a title down here. And we love to be noticed in the synagogues. That's what was wrong with the Pharisees. They loved to have the best seats in the house. And they put what man thought of them first before what God thought of them. And, and when we come to salvation, we're supposed to put God first. And then he will lift us up. He's supposed to be first in everything. We're not supposed to worry about what man can do to us. We're supposed to not just believe, but we're supposed to profess him and live out loud for him and confess him and agree with him. Not just that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, but we're supposed to agree with him in the work of the ministry of reconciliation of souls. We're supposed to covenant with him in a marriage agreement that we will follow our husband, Christ, in reconciling the rest of the world. That's why the, the, in, in the garden we have the pattern that the man was created and he began to rule the garden. And then God, the only thing that God seen in all of his creation that was not good was that there was no helper comparable for Adam. So then he caused a deep sleep to fall upon him and he gave Adam, uh, out of his rib, he made a woman. And the woman was there as a helpmate. It, it, not to walk behind him or in front of him, but to walk beside him. 
And with that act, God creates the first marriage, and the two become one and united as one, doing the same thing in the garden as one, helping God to tend the garden and serving God and loving God and walking with God in the garden. And what happens? The enemy comes into the garden and deceives the woman by lying to her. By showing her something else. By telling her something that doesn't line up with the spoken word of God. With the written word of God. And that's what's going on in the church today. It has been going on since the garden. Is that the devil keeps trying to change what God said. Trying to get people to follow their own hearts. Trying to follow the society or his government. The devil's government. Instead of follow the word of God and confess God's word in the open. That's all God asks of us, to go and make disciples. How do you do that? You give them the tools of the word of God, the truth of God. So these, they believed, but they wouldn't confess because they were afraid that then they would lose the approval of men. They wanted the approval of men. Listen to me. When you live your life, you want the approval of God. Now, I'm not talking about you palm people's face and talk to them like you're a sailor and treat people bad. But if you're pleasing to God and you're living by faith with God and man doesn't like it, don't change to please men. Let God change you. Let God teach you. Now, if enough people say that you're a horse's patoot, you might want to ask God if you're a horse's patoot or not. But if you're not a horse's patoot, then you just keep living for God. Because man will lie to you, and the devil will attack you. Notice that God is doing the hardening of the heart. And I want you to see that this is a pattern with God. I was actually telling a lady about this today, and she was, she'd been in the church all of her life. Um... And she had a hard time with it. I don't know if you remember. And let's just look at Exodus, the book of Exodus. Just kind of hold your finger in John. Turn back to Exodus. And I'll kind of give you a little narrative, if you'll remember. The children of Israel, they're down in Egypt. And God called Moses to deliver his people. Moses was born and he was beautiful and the world pharaoh the devil was trying to kill all the children even after they were born you know we we get we fight an argument still today not just abortion but killing them after they're born and that's what pharaoh was doing in egypt he was telling all the the women to kill the egyptian or excuse me to kill the israelite male children after they're born and Moses was so handsome that his mom wouldn't let him kill him. So she ended up keeping him for a while. And then she put him in a little basket and floated him out in the water. And Pharaoh's daughter comes down and sees him and says, bring that basket over here. And then, and then his sister, Mir his sister, Miriam? It is, isn't it? Miriam, I'm, I, I was looking at my wife. She remembers some of this stuff instead of the names I'm not real good with sometimes. She watches and then comes out and goes, would you like me to get a, a, an Israelite woman to take care of that baby for you? And she says, yes. 
And so the mom gets to come and take care of the baby in Pharaoh's house. I know that's a lot of stuff you're hearing. But Moses raises up in the world. Pharaoh's a type of, uh, you know, uh, Egypt is a type of the world for us. Pharaoh's a type of the devil. The devil's the whole government, Pharaoh is. And he raises up in his house. And when he comes of age, I think 40 years old, he decides that he already knew he was supposed to rescue Israel. So he goes out and tries to rescue Israel, and he kills one Egyptian soldier and tries to hide him in the sand, and it doesn't work because he tried to do it in his own strength. So Pharaoh's going to kill him because he's trying to do the work in his own strength. And that's the Christian trying to do the work of God in his own strength instead of allowing the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be his tool. Instead of surrendering and receiving God's Word and going forward with God's Word by the power of the Spirit. We pray religion. So Moses has to flee from the world and go hide for 40 years in Midian. So he's in the wilderness taking care of sheep for 40 years. Why is that? Because God takes him out of Egypt. And then he takes Egypt out of him and teaches him faith in how to learn to follow God. And by the time that God comes to him again, Moses says, here I am, send Aaron. I can't go. I can't speak well. I stutter. And when he goes to Pharaoh, he ends up becoming a type of a god to Pharaoh. And he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. Well, that's why I brought you here, because it's the same text. Listen, God is in control. He gets, he, he tells Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will not let the children go. And see, this is the problem the lady had with it, because it says that God will harden his heart. But when you don't have an understanding of what's going on, then you look and you try to blame God for hardening the heart. Like God hardened one person's heart and didn't the other. But what was going on is Pharaoh, and you can watch it. I'm not going to, I've got it written down. I can tell you exactly the scriptures. We won't rehearse all of them. But when you see Moses going to Pharaoh in 8.15, it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. In, in, in 7.14, it says Pharaoh hardened his heart. 722 and 23, Pharaoh hardened his heart. 819, Pharaoh hardened his heart. 832, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Listen to me. You hear truth and you reject it. You hear the word of God and you reject it and you harden your heart. You make your heart hard. It means to be uh, to honor yourself. See, that's what these Pharisees were wanting, the honor of men. They wanted to honor themselves. They wanted their own position. They ignored the word of God. And then finally, when you get to Exodus 9, 12, it says, But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. See, God knows everything that we're going to do. So when he spoke and told Moses he would harden his heart, he just didn't put the part in it about that all he was really doing, and the word can be translated confirming. See, Pharaoh heard the word and had a chance to react. Pharaoh heard the word. He had a chance to let the people go. Pharaoh heard the word over and over. He heard truth over and over. He had a chance to choose God, 
but he wouldn't. He pretended like he was. In fact, almost every time he told Moses, okay, you guys can go, just call off the plague. As soon as the plague was gone, as soon as the problem was gone, what did he do? He hardened his heart and he lived in his own way again. Took care of self, honored himself, and finally God confirms his heart. That's what it means. God confirmed it and led him to continue in his own opinion of heart in his heart. And he had no choice anymore. There comes a time when you harden your heart and you continue to reject the word of God and you continue to say, I'm not, I've heard the truth, but I'm not going to follow it, that God will reject you later and confirm it. See, that's what our scripture memory verse is about, is that in John 12, let me get back to it, our scripture memory verse tells us that he who rejects me and does not receive my truth my words has that which judges him right the word that he spoke will judge them in the last days because it's already either you receive it and let him soften your heart and conform you into his image or if you reject it pretty soon he's going to confirm your heart and you're going to be stuck in that decision that you made to reject his word that's what our scripture is all about and so the bible tells us in isaiah that god actually brought the report i'm sending a savior and when they would not believe he was the savior then he hardened their hearts so that they couldn't believe he was the savior and that principle is everywhere in the scriptures i don't know when that time is i think that time is different with everybody but god knows when he's going to use you to show his mighty power and confirm your heart and say it's too late for you to learn. In fact, you know what? Jesus is so loving and kind and God is so good that when he spoke in parables, remember in the Bible you say Jesus spoke a parable? You know why he spoke in parables? So that people would not hear the simple truth and harden their heart. He spoke in a parable so that you and I or a believer, his disciples, could understand a little bit and they're already following and they would go Jesus what was you talking about and he would tell them but if he would have spoke plain truth it would have hardened the heart of the people listening that weren't ready yet and they may never have come to salvation and that's really why we're not supposed to cast our pearl before swine and that's really why we're not supposed to just beat people with a Jesus stick if they don't want to hear it and it's really why the unbelievers are not supposed to be in the sanctuary when we're in church. But notice our culture. That's what we do. We try to get all the unbelievers in the sanctuary and get them saved to go to the altar. Church and Bible study and our fellowship is believers meetings. It's for believers to hear truth, to be equipped, to be ready to go out in the ministry of reconciliation. It is supposed to be a, 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 a strange stain if somebody's sitting in the sanctuary and they don't know Jesus. But in our culture today, that's how we play all of our evangelism. Come to church with me. And that, don't get me wrong, bring people to church. But it's not the normal. The only people that come to church are supposed to be people that actually believe in Jesus. But we, just like the nation of Israel, are in apostasy in the church today. 
We are falling away from the faith. Let me show you what's going on in our culture. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we'll try to close this up. It's gotten rather long. That's the problem with teaching a topical message is that it can actually do that. It can actually do that when you have a topical message. Listen, remember this. God tells us what he's doing. In John chapter 12, he tells us that since they would not believe his report, he hardened their hearts. So when you go out in the streets and you can't figure out why people can't see the simple truth that's going on, listen, you'll know that it's this chapter right here, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. All the T's are together, and they're in alphabetical order. So all the T's are together. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, they're all together. Right after Colossians and Philippians, or Philippians and then Colossians is Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Listen, now brethren, he's speaking to believers. Notice the Bible's addressed to believers. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be soon shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit, a false spirit, by word, someone says it, or by letter, a letter circulating, and they believed that all this was going on at that time. People even writing letters saying that the rapture had already happened, it was already too late. See, the deceiver wants to deceive us. And we have to understand, listen to me, deception is much worse than COVID. That's why I don't wear a mask unless somebody makes me. Because the lie of COVID is a deception that is leading to eternal deception. It's leading people to trust the government instead of trust God. And you got to understand this. When they ask Jesus, when will that day be? And what will be the sign of the times? Jesus spoke to them of spiritual things first, and he said, careful, do not be deceived. Why? Because deception is eternal. Earthquakes, plagues, pestilence, sicknesses, wars, they're all temporal. They last for a couple years, they're over. But deception leads you to hell. It's eternal. So you don't let the wars and rumors of wars and the plagues and pestilence and all the temporal make you afraid so that you miss the truth and you're deceived eternally. And that's what the devil wants to do with all of us. See, Jesus has told us what he's doing. He gives us his own body, his blood, as, and to bring us into salvation, to conform us into his image. And if we believe that, he put his spirit in us so that we'll go confess and profess and tell others and join with him in co-union to reconcile souls. Not to be afraid of all these wars or rumors of wars. Now, we don't have to run out in the middle of bullets flying. But if he tells you to, they say that's why Stonewall Jackson was a stone wall. He was a Christian. They have accounts of so many people that shot at him and swore they were going to hit him, and he just rode right out in front of his men, and that's why his men followed him. You know why? Because he believed that he was indestructible 
until God was finished with him. He believed in the sovereignty of God. He believed by faith that God was going to protect him. And he acted upon it. If we really believe that Jesus died and rose again and he's given his eternity and salvation and an inheritance, we should confess that and profess that and be righteous and be bold as lions. Watch this. Don't be listening to the lies, whether it's by spirit, word, or letter, as if from us, because Paul didn't say it. He's writing the church in Thessalonica. Though the day of Christ or the day of the Lord had come, it hasn't come yet. The rapture hasn't come yet. And then he says in verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3, let no one deceive you. Again, deception is eternal. Has eternal ramifications. By any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. What happened to the nation of Israel? They were following God and then they fell away. They hardened their hearts in their own little religion and then God hardened their hearts. He confirmed what they were doing. He brought them aside. He gave them every chance to turn and they wouldn't so he confirmed their hearts. They fell away from the faith. The same thing's going on with the church today. Been going on for years. It's called the apostasy. The falling away from the faith comes first. See, the rapture won't happen until the falling away happens. It's already happening. So we know that the Bible is true right now. And the man of sin is revealed. The cover's taken off of him, and you see him, the son of perdition, who imposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, that must mean that, now listen, it could be two things, in my opinion. That must mean the temple's rebuilt, the temple of God, or that lie is sitting in your heart because you are the temple of God. Listen, and, and the lie that you're believing is opposing the truth of God and is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. But I believe it's that Antichrist sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, and he tells him to worship him. Listen, and then he says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you that I told you these things? See, he's calling them out on what he told them. Don't you remember what I told you? Because if we're living for God, we're supposed to begin to start to rehearse this and understand this and tell others this because it's the truth that sets them free. Or the lie that keeps them in bondage and deceived for eternity. For the mystery of lawlessness is already, lawlessness, that's, that's no law, is already at work. Have you seen it in the streets? It was at work 2,000 years ago. Look what it's morphing into. This is not the root, this is the fruit. The root is rebellion against God's word. The root is not believing truth. And now, do you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time? Verse 6. I'm sorry, did I miss that? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed, withholding King James in his own time. It's our preaching of the truth that's restraining, that's withholding 
For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Speaking again as the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit dwells in the believers. And when the church is taken out of the way and we're not preaching truth or morality anymore. Verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed. The cover will be completely taken off whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's the second coming of Christ. When he comes the second time, Jude says, we'll be with him. We'll come with him. The saints will come with him and rescue Israel at the end of the seven-year tribulation. I'm just trying to get to this part. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. That's what I'm telling you. Careful about signs and lying wonders. That's the new deception. That's what's going to be happening. And with all unrighteous deception. See that? Don't be deceived. That's for eternity. In fact, the mask is one letter from the mark. Right now, you can't buy, sell, or trade without a mask. It's getting ready to be you can't buy and sell and trade without the vaccine and you can't buy, sell, and trade without the mark. And chapter 17 of Revelation says that he deceives us into taking the mark. He deceives those that take the mark into taking it and giving false worship to him. He does it by fear. He does it by anything he can do to get you to follow him as opposed to worship God. Verse 10, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, those who are going to die, those who are still under the curse of death, that don't believe in Jesus. Why? Look at it. Because they did not receive the love of the truth. They rejected God's word. And if you reject his word, you have that which judges you. His word will judge you in the last day. They did not receive the love of the truth. See, God comes in love. The devil comes in fear that they might be saved, delivered from. And for this reason, this is what I was trying to get to, verse 11. And for this reason, when they don't receive the love of the truth, God will send them strong delusion so that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now delusion, listen to me. Delusion is fraudulence. It's straying from orthodoxy. It's deception. It's error. It's from a word that means an imposter, a deceiver. So there's a whole gospel out there right now today that is a lie. Just like when we're studying in 2 Kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and we have the northern tribes that are worshiping two golden calves and they have false prophets. There's a whole system where they're acting like they're still serving God. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They raise up leaders and teachers and prophets to tickle the ears of everybody and say, oh, peace, peace, it's going to be okay. But it's all false. And the way we know that it's false is that we study the truth and we say, all right, we test the spirits. 
It doesn't matter whether it by spirit or by word or by letter. If somebody says something different than what this says, they're a lying apostle. They're a lying prophet. They're a lying preacher. And most of them today, here's what it is. And I'll give you a litmus test. And I say stuff wrong all the time. And if I do, come to me and talk to me. And I'll try to correct it. If the Bible says something differently, I'll apologize for it. This is the difference. There are those teachers out there that are saying things that are false. They give you 99% truth and 1% falsehood, just like the devil did to Eve. And when you say, hey, wait a minute. Muslims are not serving the same God as us. And they say, yes, they are. They're a liar. They're a deceiver. They're spirit of Antichrist. When they double down on a lie that doesn't line up in Scripture, and many of them are doing that today. Many of the big names you see on the radio, on the TV, they're giving you 99% truth. It sounds like this, but they can be off on one very important point that has to do with salvation. Now they're starting to get us involved in all this socialism and, and, and all this Marxism, and they want us to give up our position in Christ so that we'll speak up for our neighbor. They want us to go out in the streets and riot for the LGBTQ. And they don't just want you to be dead. They don't want you just to agree with their lifestyle. They want you to celebrate with them. And if people are against them, they want you to riot with them. And all of those things are against the word of God. But many churches are doing that. Many churches are supporting Black Lives Matters and all of the agenda of death culture when these people are destroying other people's property. That goes against the very love your neighbor, but churches are approving of it. We have to wake up. God is telling us why they're doing this. It's strong delusion. But who did it? God did it. Just like he did with the nation of Israel when they crucified Jesus, he did it because they wouldn't believe the truth and they hardened their heart. Right now, today, in the streets, we see all these people hardening their hearts to God's truth. And he is the one that has brought a famine for the word of God. He's the one that brought strong delusion upon these that are living this way and they're professing to be the church, but really they're the false church. And you know the sad part? What's happening now? What's next? Just like when we're reading it in the Old Testament and you see Jehoshaphat, he's the king in the southern kingdom in Judah. He's the one that hasn't went as, as strayed yet because every man is going to go astray. And if it wasn't for Jesus, we would all be in hell he's trying to because of what's going on he wants to reconcile with the northern tribes so he keeps trying to join them he keeps trying to help them and see that's the problem is we need to learn from the old testament that as true saints we don't want to join with the false church we don't want to join with a false church and say yeah i'll support you i'll riot with you i'll go with you we need to stand for truth and when that happens that isolates us and they're going to come after us because we won't agree with their death culture. We won't agree with their sin is what it boils down to. Listen to me. This might sound like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Listen, our job, our description, our life should never change. We should always be involved in being led by the Spirit and telling people about Jesus until he takes us home. 
It doesn't matter what's going on. We have been given the same commandment to go and make disciples. No matter what's going on. No matter what's going on. Listen, the chaos in the streets is because God has given them over to strong delusion. To believe a lie because they wouldn't believe the simple truth. Just like with Pharaoh. Just like with the nation of Israel that became apostate. And now the church is apostate. The falling away, it had to happen. We're in the last days. Let's close out the book of John because we still haven't got up there yet. Sorry, just a few more minutes. Let's read this. They wanted the praise of men more than the praise of God. So they hardened their heart and they didn't confess. And they ignored the word of God. And in 44, 1244, then Jesus cried out, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Remember that? The Father sent him. Jesus was given commandment by the Father. Watch this. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. He told Thomas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one. They're one in union. I have come as a light into the world. And whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. You shouldn't live in darkness. You shouldn't walk in darkness. You shouldn't fellowship with darkness. You shouldn't be in darkness very long. Listen, we are supposed to separate ourselves from darkness. Not isolate from the world because we need to go to them. But we should not be fellowshipping, hanging around with people who are living in darkness and because and we don't have anything in common with them. If we're truly living for God and the Spirit of God is in us, then we need to be very careful what we're listening to. Because that's how death culture gets into you when you compromise and you begin your best friend is an unbeliever. And now you're unequally yoked with them. And now you're listening to them and you go to a concert of a bunch of evil music with them or to a movie. Now you're participating in their sin and you're not even concerned about their salvation when that's all we're called to do after we're saved is to tell others and confess Jesus to others. So at the same time, you're rejecting the truth of God's word. That's what he's called you to do. So we shouldn't be abiding in darkness. And if anyone hears, it's verse 47, if anyone hears, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Listen, everybody wants to talk bad about Jesus, but he came to save us from our own death, from ourselves. He who rejects me, let me clean this up, he who rejects means to set aside. It means to cast off or despise, to bring to naught. He who rejects me. Are you setting Jesus aside while you live in darkness? And does not receive my words. That means to get a hold of them and accept them, to agree with them. that which judges him judicially condemns damns is what that word means crino the word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day 
for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me command. Listen to this, the word commandment there, it means authoritative prescription. Listen, listen, you can listen to the Father of all lies and keep going and getting prescriptions for everything, or you can listen to the commandment of God. You can listen to the great physician and follow his commandment and come underneath his authority because, see, he gave word to Jesus and Jesus came and declared it to us. And then he said, just as the Father sent me, I now send you. So he's given us command. He's given us his word to go out and share it with other people. The Father gave him a command, what, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Isn't that amazing that the only command the Father has is everlasting life? We come from death into life when we believe, when we believe the word of God. But if we reject it, if we don't receive his words, we have that which will judge us. His word will judge us in the last days. The word that he's spoken. Are you listening for his voice? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to lead you and teach you and guide you? Are you trusting him? Or are you hardening your heart? I was going to go to Hebrews chapter 4, which, which encourages us not to harden our heart as they did in the rebellion. See, because the children of Israel, after they come out, they hardened their heart and they rejected the word of God. And they all fell dead in the wilderness, except for Caleb and Joshua, who believed the word of God. Once again, it's either the devil tricks you into not believing the word of God. Or you trust God and you believe it. Ask him to help you. Not just desire his word, but to believe his word. And know this, that the belief, the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you read it and you see his love, as you read it and you see his faithfulness, as you get in it, you spend time around it and you trust him, he's going to grow your faith. But if you harden your heart, you never know when he confirms your heart. He puts a callus on it and you think that something's okay. Or a whole lifestyle is okay when it's really rejecting his word. Listen, we've been warned what's going on. But much of the church today is saying, oh, there's going to be a revival. Oh, this isn't the end of it all. Listen to me. Regardless of what's going to happen tomorrow, our call today is to declare as ambassadors the truth of God's word. No matter what's going on on this death culture planet, we still tell people Jesus saves. That's all we're called to do. And to encourage one another. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, I got to give you next week's scripture. Uh-oh, I almost prayed and forgot. Next week's scripture is 1 Corinthians 4.2. One of my favorite verses. 1 Corinthians 4.2 It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Is that right? 
Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. See, God has given us a stewardship over his word, over his church, and all he wants us to do is be found faithful to do what he's called us to do. And you cannot be faithful unless you're being led by the Spirit because it is a fruit of the Spirit. And we'll talk more about it next week. Very short little verse in how we can be faithful because we're all faithless without him giving us a mustard seed and then leading us and training us and teaching us how to be faithful in his power and in his might. Father, thank you. Give us a desire not just to hear your voice, but to hear your word and memorize it and share it with others and to go to others as ambassadors and plead with them to be reconciled with God. Lord, that when we speak to people, we would pray and say, Lord, how can we convince them to be reconciled to you? Lord, that we would be that faithful as stewards to trust you to use us for your glory and the reconciliation of souls. Pour out your spirit now upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.